mindfulness mode. Your body wants you to be healthy, happy and vital. So give it its credit. Lots of gratitude for the body. Reach new heights of calm, focus and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Mindful Tribe, I'm really excited today about interviewing the two authors I have with me. My two guests today have authored this amazing book called Physical Intelligence. And I'm going to tell you right now what the subtitle is because it will grab you. Harness your body's untapped intelligence to achieve more, stress less, and live more happily. So that's what we talk about a lot on the show is how we can use mindfulness to do those things. And now we're going to talk about this incredible book by Claire Dale and Patricia Payton. And so excited to have you both here. It's wonderful. So Claire, what does mindfulness mean to you? Mindfulness for me means being fully present in my body, in awareness of what's going on with my thoughts and have as clear a mind as possible and the greatest possible connection with the least possible effort with what's happening around me and what I'm engaged and what I'm engaged in. That's what it is for me. I haven't studied it as a separate entity. I've come at it through being a dancer, uh, being a, a modern dancer and being getting very involved early on in the breath uh, and in what it is to be fully aware of movement and fully present in movement for our audiences as dancers. That's how I came to it. And I would say I was practicing mindfulness way before I had even ever heard of that term. I'm sure you were. And I haven't shared the bio with my listeners yet, but you are such a well-known British dancer in choreography and you founded the Claire Russ Ensemble, which is a contemporary dance company that performed across Europe for 15 years. I am fascinated at how you have your creative and artistic background. And of course, Pat is more of a business background. I'm, I'm just intrigued how you got together and how you contributed to this book in such a way that it just comes alive to me. And uh, I'm, I'm just so excited. But before I move on, I must ask you, Pat, what does mindfulness mean to you? So for me, mindfulness is, uh, it's a deeper level of awareness at a mental, emotional, both in a mental and an emotional level, and supported by that physical foundation. So uh, to me, your mindfulness, you're much better prepared to be mindful if you have that physical strength, flexibility, resilience, endurance in place. And while Claire has a professional background in dance, I have an amateur background in dance and voice and stage. But I've used mindfulness in my work as a consultant because you can't support clients in the way that they need to be supported if you're up in your own head in a self-centered way, you have to be giving yourself to them. Just like a performer gives themselves to the audience on stage, if you are doing the right job as a consultant or a salesperson or a leader, you are fully present for the other. And that's where mindfulness has supported me even in my, in my corporate background. But I drew on that from, I mean, I just started meditating 
before I met Claire, you know, it was just a, an important part of my ability to manage all of the noise and the challenge of life. So I had, and maybe part of it is spirituality too, you know, so uh, if you just think all the way back to early years of prayer, not to get religious here, uh, but that's, that would be the foundation. And then to develop that into meditation and then to see how that ability to be mindful within my own life translated to my ability to connect with people who reported to me, as well as people who worked alongside me and with my clients, all I believe supported by that foundation from the arts, the dance, the voice, the stage. Well, I'm so intrigued at how you've spent so many years working with Fortune 100 companies and helping individuals and teams improve their performance. You have such a great background in this, and then you've managed been managing director of a company called Sphere International that provides leadership and sales training. So both of you have such an extensive background and then you've come together and put out this book called Physical Intelligence. And I know it won a very prestigious award already in the U.S. It won an award and I think you've won some other awards. Tell us about some of the awards your book has already won, Claire. Can you fill us in on that? Yes. We, on March the 23rd in the UK at 7 p.m., we were at a virtual red carpet event for the Business Book Awards of the year. Um, and we won in the personal development category. So this is historic. You have business books and you have the human body. And you know, this is a very important bridge that's being created here that comes at a very important time with COVID-19 literally in the air um, and, and gets us to look not only at how we're doing our well-being programs at work, but how we need to do them in a much more sustainable and responsible way, um, including our physical intelligence. So at seven o'clock, we won the Business Book of the, the Year Award in the Personal Development category. And at eight o'clock, our UK Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, announced lockdown. So it was a kind of big day, the 23rd of March. And, you know, one thing that happened uh, to me, and, and I think to Patricia as well, was that because we had such a high at seven, I mean, our arms were in the air doing what we call a winner pose. We were doing our lap of honor. There was joy in both our households and the households of all our families across the UK, across America. And, um, and because of that, the eight o'clock lockdown, although we knew it was serious, emotionally, we were buoyed up to be able to cope with it. And very often, I mean, here's a very quick example of physical, well, of course, we'll get on to what physical intelligence is, but it's a great example of fully celebrating a success. You know, we did not, we were not the tight upper lipped um, British culture stereotype. We were fully celebrating physically, emotionally, mentally, we were letting all the good thoughts come. And that put us in a, a state, an inner state, where we were then more resilient to deal with the very serious news that came one hour later. Wow. Do you see how being, if we hadn't celebrated, we wouldn't have had that chemistry going on in our bodies. So it's a great 
example, actually, as we've hit on it very early on in the interview. Yeah, that is, is really fascinating. It was such an incredible day for you as you describe it. Wow. Now, Patricia, I, I just want to then touch on, not touch on, but find out, okay, what is your definition of physical intelligence? We hear so much about emotional intelligence and we've talked a lot about it on the show. What is physical intelligence? Sure. And that's important as a baseline for everyone listening. So right now, there are literally hundreds of chemicals, hormones and neurotransmitters. They're racing through each of our bodies in our bloodstream and our nervous system. Many of them have names that are familiar, things like cortisol, testosterone, adrenaline. People are familiar with those, as well as some others that might not be as well known, oxytocin, serotonin, DHEA. Those chemicals largely dictate how we think, how we feel, how we speak, and how we behave. Most people operate at the mercy of those chemicals. We experience waves of emotion, thoughts, and reactions without realizing that we can strategically influence them. We can influence them through how we move, how we breathe, how we think, how we interact with each other. And when we do that well, the ability to detect and then actively manage the balance of certain key chemicals, not all of them, some of them keep our heart beating, we don't want to touch those, right? But when we can actively manage the balance of key chemicals, then that is what physical intelligence is. And that's what enables us to achieve more, stress less, live and work more happily. And you mentioned emotional intelligence, and we can talk about this more later if you'd like, but we, we believe based on our own experience, the experience of our clients and the neuroscience that underpins all of what we talk about, that physical intelligence doesn't just sit alongside cognitive and emotional intelligence. It actually underpins them. It strengthens them. It enables them. So the more physically intelligent you are, the more cognitively and emotionally intelligent you can be. And conversely, if you're not working on your physical intelligence, you're not getting the most out of your cognitive and emotional intelligence. So we describe it for that reason as the most important human intelligence for the 21st century, acknowledging that AI is probably the big intelligence overall for our century. But physical intelligence, we believe, is the most important human intelligence for this century. Well, I'm fascinated with what you've said. And you talked about moving, you talked about breathing, you talked about how we interact. And I don't believe you talked about what we put into our bodies, including well, food, including yeah. other things, because a lot of us think we have to put something into our body to create the feeling that we want, don't we? Well, what's interesting, that's true. But what's interesting is in the book, all the way through at the end, there are four sections, right? There's strength, flexibility, resilience, and endurance. We call those the four elements or pillars of physical intelligence. And we can describe what each of those means. Uh, resilience and endurance are just what you'd see in the dictionary pretty much, but strength and flexibility are a little different. But at the end of each section, there is a chapter on nutrition and fitness for that element. So, uh, and, and so it's, it, there are some things you can put in your body that are really good for you to enable each of those. And then of course, there won't be any surprises in the things that we tell you not to put in your body. <laughs> you know, for example, in order to build resilience, we talk about uh, retreat, eat health healthfully, sleep, and treats. And treats are, of course, the, the restorative treats, not the sugar, not the alcohol, not the bag of chips. You know, it's really about finding those things that restore you, whether it's uh, playing with the children, taking a walk, reading a book, listening to beautiful music. But that's 
So we, we do talk about things to put in your body and things to not put in your body, but primarily in the context of resilience and then to enable each of those key elements. So Claire, Pat touched on the creativity and, and music and that kind of thing. Tell us how important it is for us to be nurturing our creativity. Hmm. How important. Well, creativity comes, plays a very strong part in our ability to be flexible. So it figures in our flexibility element, that, that part of our curriculum hugely. Um, and really this is about being able to adapt to changing environments and to other people, their agendas, their personality types, um, their styles, their communication styles. And all of that takes flexibility and to be creative with what, what is being given to us or what we're receiving. Um, now creativity really, really is boosted by certain types of movement. Uh, walking, for example, in a very now well-known uh, Stanford University piece of research, we're 45% more likely to have a high quality, innovative idea whilst we're walking rather than seated. And that included uh, people putting people in rolling chairs and wheeling them outside and putting, make, getting people walking on, on a, with a blank wall ahead of them and on a treadmill. The same principle uh, held. You, to be walking you, you know, makes us more creative. And we've all experienced that. Uh, as we walk, we send, tend to have more fluid ideas. Um, and what's happening there is we're, you know, swinging the arms. Usually we're moving our bodies. So our bodies are in a, a state of um, sort of eternal um, recovery. They're not getting blocked with tension. They're more fluid. They're flowing. And that invites a certain chemistry into our bodies. First of all, our recovery chemistry. So we're not powering. We're not powered by adrenaline only. We've got a, the balancing chemical acetylcholine which means that our vagus nerve, which is really, really important for high performance to have that activated well, the vagus nerve. I'm sure many, many of your listeners will know about that particularly important nerve if um, we're talking about mindfulness. Um, so the recovery chemical is firing as well as the adrenaline, the, the accelerating chemical. And then secondly, because we're being, we're flexible in our bodies as we walk, we invite other chemicals like serotonin and dopamine into our system they they subtly boost so serotonin we know is really important for mental health mental well-being happiness self-esteem status and all these are, are qualities of a human being that is in flow and can create and funnily enough serotonin is largely partly largely responsible for the suppleness of the connective tissue between muscle and bone. So if that's loose and you're walking, then your serotonin levels are able to boot and reboot um, as, you're, as you're going about life. So you're inevitably going to be more creative. Um, and funnily enough, just a final note on creativity, you know, classically Steve Jobs was said to eat lots of carrots and apples because they're high in the, um, in, in the protein tyrosine which is a precursor of, of particularly dopamine, which is, uh, which is very, very, very important for our creativity, connected to our visual cortex of the brain. 
So, you know, um, back to nutrition, there are many things that we can do to support our chemical balance. And, and that's why we, we feel that having this framework, a simple framework of chemistry and this idea of a winning cocktail that we can adjust and shape and change and make it taste different for different uh, needs and different scenarios. We think this is a great way to, to be in the driving seat of our, of our bodies, this amazing technology that we have. Yeah, well, Claire, I certainly agree 100%. I've interviewed so many people and we've talked about walking so much. Uh, for the last year, I've walked for an hour every single day and I totally believe in it. I think it makes such a big difference and it does make you more creative and more of these thoughts come to you. Now, Pat, a lot of a lot of space is dedicated in your book to confidence. And I, I just love that because I totally believe in it. And quite a number of years ago when I first started working in the field of bullying prevention, I didn't understand many things about it and I got into it and learned and learned and learned. But at a very early state, I thought to myself, well, you know, it's all about confidence. If I can teach children to walk with confidence and to show confidence and be confident whether they feel it or not, it's going to be, make a major difference as to whether they actually are being bullied or not. And so I wrote songs all about confidence. And in the presentations I did, we put a lot of effort into that. And yet I kept thinking, is it really? just about confidence and how we walk well is it pat it it's certainly something that's very very uh important in your book and i totally believe in it let's talk about confidence sure confidence is sits squarely in that strength element of our curriculum when we talk about strength in the physical intelligence world it's all about inner strength confidence resolve appropriate risk taking standing your ground, acting and speaking wisely and decisively in complex high-risk situations, driving change. So that's what we mean by, by strength. And you can't really do that well if you don't have confidence. In fact, uh, there's, there, there's research that tells us, and posture is directly connected to confidence. I'll talk about posture and breathing just as two baseline. There are more techniques than that, but let's start there. Because we look to people with open and expansive posture to lead us in times of crisis, rather than the person with the leadership title. Posture absolutely can help us feel more confident. It can convey confidence and it can inspire confidence in others. So not only will posture change our own chemistry, if we do it right, it actually will change the chemistry of those around us. It will boost and change their chemistry they'll feel more confident. So, as I said, two key techniques, posture and breathing. Posture, both of us, you know, have dance backgrounds. So this has been entrained in us from a very young age. And if you had a, a mother anything like mine, then, and your listeners did, then they probably heard some of the same advice. Mother did know best. So it's really all about uh, grounding yourself first. So making that sure that your, your feet are hip width apart and really grounded so that you imagine almost like roots of a tree holding you to the ground, not in a rigid way. So you want your joints to be unlocked. If you're standing right, unlock those knees. 
but make sure that you are centered and grounded and then drop your shoulders down so that they're sitting on your back. Imagine weights on your, on, on your elbows, pulling those shoulders where they should be, but they also shouldn't be rigid. Picture them floating out to opposite sides of the room. And then what every dancer has learned, imagine a string suspending you from the center of your head, suspending you from the ceiling. So running from the center of your head up to the ceiling. And if you tug on that string, it, would, it shouldn't lift your chin. It should lengthen the back of your neck. So that's the posture we're talking about, whether you're sitting or standing, and there's a lot more detail around that in the book, but that's the baseline. From that posture, you've actually now, so you've already started to change your body chemistry. And the, the, chemi the, winning, the winning cocktail for strength is high testosterone or not high, but it's at, the, at an optimal level, solid DHEA being boosted, cortisol at a managed low level, and then dopamine, that same chemical that Claire just talked about, making sure that you have plenty of dopamine. All of that together will give us strength. And this begins to put that chemical, that chemical cocktail in place. And the right posture also creates room for our lungs to expand, which is crucial because if we're sitting, as one of our clients recently described it, hunched over, shoulders forward, jutting chin, shaped like a cashew is what the client said. And I love that visual. That just really to me works. If, if you're spending your day shaped like a cashew, you are actually putting your body in the position of defeat and you're changing your, chemist, your body chemistry unintentionally, but you are in fact changing your body chemistry. So the first step is to stop sitting like a cashew or standing like a cashew and then put that breathing in place. And we're talking about diaphragmatic breathing in a paced way. So breathing diaphragmatically. We don't have time to talk about how to do this, but you can easily search for that on the internet. And then pacing your breath, steady count in and out. It, uh, it can be an even count, four in, four out, or an uneven count, five in, seven out. And that increases our DHEA, which is our vitality chemical. And when you boost DHEA, you bring cortisol down. It's, a, it's like a, a scale, a balancing scale. And if you increase DHEA, those other four high-performing chemicals, oxytocin, uh, testosterone, dopamine, serotonin, all of those levels are boosted, whereas cortisol drags them down. So posture and breathing together are necessary to put that chemistry of confidence in place. Absolutely crucial. I think of it as a foundation for all of the rest of physical intelligence because it gives you, just like the foundation of a home, and it enables you to build those walls. That strength, you can be more flexible from there. If, you're, if you have that strength, you can bounce back, have that resilience, and you can endure better if you have that, that foundation in place. So Claire, we've talked about posture, we've talked about confidence. In your book, you touch on trampolining. Let's talk about the use of the trampoline and how that can help us. <laughs> Before I do that, I, I just want to say with regard to, to posture, um, it's not only, it's, this is not about how you look. I've worked with a lot of dancers who have disabilities and, and dancers integrated with dancers who don't have disabilities. And, and whatever your body type or body style, as long as you're thinking and, and lengthening and widening, 
that's going to do it. That's going to give you that, um, you know, I won't be bullied kind of, I, I, I stand my ground here kind of feel. So I just want to let everyone know, you know, this is not about having the perfect body. It's about thinking and using the body you have in a particular way, using particular principles of openness and expansion. That's it. Now, um, your question was about trampolining. So when we bat, so we're, we're largely fluid, right? The body, every cell in the body has a large proportion of, of water fluids. And, um, and when we bounce up and down, basically those fluids get a good old bounce as well. And this helps uh, our lymph system to, uh, to flush through toxins. So from the cells, the waste products will drain into lymph ducts into through the lymph glands and then out into our, you know, as waste products down to the, through the kidneys, to the bladder and so on and out. And so if you contrast, you know, having a, an occasional bounce, like a daily 10 minutes on your little trampoline in your kitchen, we've got one in ours. It's particularly good for lockdown because whenever you put boil the kettle, you can just go and have a quick bounce, you know. But if you contrast that to a very static number of hours spent at your screen and imagine that none of that lymph drainage can happen, the, the glands all get sort of bunged up, the ducts, are, 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 yeah, they're not, not flushing through. You can just imagine how disease and disease and, and illness in the body um, accumulates. So it's all about the flush. And of course, uh, negative emotions are also chemicals, right? Frustration, it's a particular type of neuropeptide that has a charge. And these, these neuropeptides get locked into cells in our body, receptor cells, where they really have no business being, but it's like getting the wrong key, putting the wrong key in a lock. And it goes in, but it gets stuck and you can't get the key out. Has that ever happened to you? That, yes. That key, yeah. And so if we're thinking about negative emotion, I mean, emotions are really vital to us. They tell us that action is needed. So it's important that we have all range of emotions. But the ones that we don't want to hang around, we need to realize that they are locked into receptor cells in our bodies and actually bouncing, trampolining, jogging, running, anything that has, or even walking with a kind of Beyonce bounce in your step, you know, walking with confidence and that bounce, that can also help drain the lymph glands. Yes, it certainly can. I, I agree. I have a, a mini trampoline myself. And that's why I was so curious about what you would say about this. I, I think it just helps me feel so much more alive and just, well, confident and vibrant. Now, Patricia, you have 27 chapters and over 400 pages in the book, and yet it's so easy to read and easy to digest and such great content. One of the chapters, and I think it was chapter 16, is called Letting Go. And you mentioned Jared Barnes, a football player who missed a touchdown and with 20 million people watching, and he just wasn't able to let go of that thought. How important is it to be able to let go of things so that we can move forward? Well, it's vitally important, right? Because otherwise it, it holds you back. And, and Jared, what a remarkable young man. There's someone to interview Bruce. Yes. 
he has he has really sorted it out on his own before he even read the book right so letting go you know sometimes we only need a few seconds to let go of something we missed getting the tickets to our favorite concert but then you have things that are that weigh heavier on us like jared missing he allowing that touchdown in front of millions and in the book we talk about me coming to terms with my mother's um, terminal illness and uh, and death you know those take time and and with regard to that kind of a loss as a dear friend advised me walk slowly with your grief it takes as long as it takes but it's there are there are all sorts of other losses and and setbacks that people uh allow to, to hold them back a disappointment at work we didn't get the promotion we lost the deal and if they weigh on us too heavily they actually prevent us from moving forward with that confidence with that energy it really impacts our resilience and this year in particular resilience has taken a hit people are just worn down so letting go enables us to learn from what happened to sit quietly and think about what did just happen if we need to to get feedback from someone who knows us who knows about the situation sometimes we can be well sometimes we can be blind to what we might have learned from something although deep down we probably know the truth but we might not want to face it and getting that feedback from someone else around us can help us face that and then reflecting on what lessons can i take from this what are the lessons to be learned and being clear about well how i can go forward stronger bounce back better and then finally, doing what Claire was talking about, making sure that we're moving so that we're actually releasing, shaking out or punching out, shake, really shaking your body, inverting your spine if you can, if you're able to, and shaking up that chemical cocktail so that it's like rebooting the computer, but for your body. And then finally, taking that step forward and imagining whatever that is, that whatever it is you're holding, imagining it like it's like it's an old heavy coat just drenched in whatever that situation was and shrugging it off your shoulders, dropping it on the ground and looking at it. It's a very powerful visual, visualization if you can do it. And then turning forward and stepping away from whatever it is that you need to let go of. Very important for our resilience because too many of us are weighed down by those events in our past. So if you're beating your, you're beating yourself up about something, that's not good for you. Uh, there, was a, there was a great article I read, or it was a book I read, a collection of essays years ago. And there's a woman who was famous in America. She was a Broadway dancer and, and married to one of the great singer-songwriter duos, uh, one, of the, one half of one, Kitty Carlisle. And she used to say to herself every morning, look in the mirror, she'd look in the mirror and say, Kitty, I forgive you. And just that, there's a start. Right there's a start for letting go is to forgive yourself, but if you really need to do something more go through that letting go process and and commit to commit to that you're worth it. Don't let these things hold you back. There's not one person on this earth who hasn't made a mistake or had a disappointment You need to move forward. I love your descriptive words because for me letting go learning to let go was challenging and uh, I think it is for a lot of people. So thanks for that. 
Claire, I've worked in bullying prevention for some time, and I always ask a question about this. Do you have a story where maybe you were bullied or a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? Do you have a story you can share with us today, Claire? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm probably 12 years old and, and I'm in a, I'm in a, school, uh, a school cloakroom coats everywhere and 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 then two older girls come up and they push me to sit down and I'm I kind of fall back into all these coats and I'm looking up at them and I'm a newbie in the school you know I'm I'm probably in the first year I think as far as I remember and these young women they're in the fourth fifth year and they're trying to exert their power and they're telling me that you know that I need to you know watch it or they're watching me and I need to watch what I'm doing and I have no idea really what they mean or but I'm scared my heart rate is is way up and and I do nothing really until they leave me alone and you know you know when you replay moments because I've thought a lot about I know a lot now about what's happening chemically as as you are either being feeling threatened or threatening others and for them I understand what was happening in their chemistry they they needed to sort of, they, they, they were having a, probably a surge of estrogen and a whole lot of testosterone and their cortisol rose. And they thought, you know, they were feeling aggressive. They were feeling like they needed to throw their weight around in order to find out who they were or prove themselves. I don't believe they were bad girls. But so they chose to do that. They chose to pick on someone younger, weaker. And for me, what was happening was my, my I didn't have very much testosterone estrogen at that point. I mean, maybe I wasn't, I also hadn't reached puberty at that point, probably. They were way ahead in terms of their own chemistry. But all the same, I wasn't expecting any kind of confrontation. So my arousal chemistry just wasn't there. So what happened was my testosterone stayed right where it was as a low level, but my cortisol spiked right up and I began to feel this terrible anxiety through the body. So I replay that and you know, what, what, of course, mindfulness does is keep all of that, that, that cortisol band of arousal. We have enough, plenty of energy to get our skin in the game, but we don't get threatened or threatened or, or, or neither are we threatening um, as much if we're mindful. That's why it's so important for peaceable, tolerant uh, world, actually. Very, very important movement, the mindfulness movement. So what I replay in my memory, what I would have done now I would have been breathing and I would have slowly, whilst smiling, I would have slowly stood up and I would have extended my, the field of my body ever so gently, but very, very firmly to create a boundary. And I would have spoken very calmly and let them know that I, they had no need to threaten me in this way and that they were, it wasn't possible for them to threaten me. So could they please walk away for now and let's discuss it later. And I, you know, that's the kind of thing both as adults and as mindful adults that we're able to do. There's a great, there's a sort of sense of conflict resolution the propensity for conflict resolution in the best way possible that 
people, you know, as, as adults on the planet, we teach our, we tell our children to share and not to hurt others. And yet what do we do as adults? We go and invade countries and we, we throw our weight around. Um, uh, and it's not right. And we all know it's not right, but we're not mature enough or conscious enough yet uh, to, to, to fully have enough of a strong social movement of tolerance and mindfulness in order to make that, you know, reach that tipping point. Now, pes pessimists will tell me, you can't change human beings. We'll always have people that threaten others and there'll always be bullies and there'll always be a... And my choice is to believe in the evolution that we're part of and the part that physical intelligence plays into the big picture evolution of being human is so important to me. It's my biggest driver, actually. Well, Claire, watching you as you described what you would do, I can just tell that every fiber of your dance creativity just comes right out and you would just use your your posture and your body to your advantage and that's exactly what makes a huge difference in so many of these situations i i really admire the way you answered that question now pat you mention and cite so many people in your book like michelle obama and steve jobs Brene brown bruce lee did you interview people for the book I'm just very interested about how fascinating the book is because you do keep uh, mentioning different people like that 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 we all know. We didn't in, we didn't in, uh, interview those people. We wish we had, but we did interview some really wonderful, uh, fascinating people who come from the worlds of arts and sport, and all of them have a different experience that contributed in, actually, didn't we have such a hard time, Claire? We had so many fabulous stories. We spent uh, several days at my home for this piece of the work, not all of the work, trying to figure out which stories make the book, where do they go, and which end up on the cutting room floor. And it was like ripping our heart out every time, but the, the publisher had given us a limit. So we interviewed, you mentioned him already, Jared Barnes, the American football player, we interviewed uh, Joan Beale, who is uh, a studio singer in Hollywood. Her, her vocal range, her vocal flexibility is phenomenal. And her husband, Jeff Beale, is an Emmy award-winning uh, composer who wrote the music for, um, oh gosh, it's, uh, it's not on air anymore. It's... Uh, it's uh, Kevin Spacey play, playing the president of the United States, and uh, the the title has gone from my yeah. Oh, House of rate, Cards, House of Cards. You. There you are. Well, well done, Claire. So, House of Cards. So, and and he suffers from uh, multiple sclerosis, plaques on the brain, and she's so. In addition to her uh, her knowledge of physical intelligence through her vocal work. She has done a lot of brain research and, uh, and brought physical intelligence techniques into their life. And while we can't make any medical claim, uh, she'd already been living this way before we spoke to her in a physically intelligent way, the plaques had reduced in his brain and the medical science can't explain it. So we can't, we don't make those claims. We just, I'm just sharing her experience and the power 
we believe the incredible power physically, mentally, emotionally to living this life. We also spoke with Alessandra Ferri, who's a prima ballerina absoluta from the uh, Royal Ballet, Wayne McGregor, who's the, the resident choreographer of the Royal Ballet, uh, Don F Marie Flynn Sierenberg, who's an opera singer in Germany, Carl Van Hout, a US Marine, uh, Megan Mitchell, who's an on-air uh, television personality, Camilla Ross, who runs a theater program uh, that connects arts to the community. And am I leaving anyone out? Claire Taylor, who's a, a cricketer, a, a British cricketer, and one, you know, was named Cricketer of the Year. So all of these people have lived, brought physical intelligence into their lives. Who did I miss, Claire? George Cruz. George who, Cruz. He's if, a, a, rugby, a rugby player. Yeah. And, if, and actually, just because we focus a little bit on posture, he has faced the All Blacks doing the haka. And he talks in the book about how whilst you have absolute respect and you're giving status to those players who are doing the haka because of the tradition and the incredible choreography that it is and the energy that's in front of you, you also have to use your string and draw yourself up just that little bit taller whilst you're welcoming it. You're also saying, and it doesn't scare me. So posture plays a part there. Lovely story from George Cruz. Yeah, so all of these people contributed their stories to the book. Of course, as did our clients. You know, we have tremendous success stories from our clients and people in our own lives. You know, there, uh, we have stories about Claire's husband and son and my husband and uh, just, you know, you know, it's not just Claire and Pat talking about what we've done and what we've experienced. We wanted to get that richness of the breadth of experience and all of the different types of lives that physical, physical intelligence is really relevant for every human being on the planet. We've even been asked to write uh, a book for children and for teens. We would love to do that. Uh, someone even asked, how would you use it with infants? So, uh, but we, we are absolutely convinced, we're confident that it is relevant for every human being on the planet. Well, and I think you've really accomplished that goal of reaching out to the reader so that they they take all this from your book. Claire, I wanna ask you this question. Your book first was released in the UK and then later released in America. Do you think that people the world over will learn the same way from your content or do you think it's going to be received differently in the US? That's a very good question and a little bit hard for me to, to answer really. I think um, sales in the US have done really, really well. Uh, and I would say over a shorter time span, it's looking, I mean, of course, it's a much bigger country. So, you know, you get the word out and, and the word, the word can, can spread over a greater area. And Pat's done brilliantly getting the word out over there. Um, I, I think that there's a real appetite, probably for different things. Um, I think here in the UK, we, we're desperate to know how to be more resilient, how to take the knocks less hard. And, and I think there's a, there's a tendency to, you know, we've had a, a lot of uh, periods of austerity recently, you know, trying to get, trying to cut back. And, and so there's a sense of people being a bit worn down anyway, uh, through those cuts. So it does feel like, and it, and, and we're having, and we're very extremely busy at the moment. It feels like physical intelligence is like a lifeline. It's like 
it, it, and mindfulness is so much part of it. It's, it's such a big part of it, actually, the awareness. It's like we're adding to mindfulness and saying, and here's the chemistry, here's, the, here's some of the physiological story to, to back up you know, your, the, the empowerment that these amazing techniques give you. So I think that's what's happening over here. We really need this. We, the book has been translated into multiple languages, actually. It's, uh, it's in uh, South Korean, it's in Taiwan, Taiwanese, it's in Chinese, um, it's in Russian. So you can see these large continents that have, and Greek as well, um, and, and others coming up. But you can see these large continents have looked at that word, there is this intelligence. And, and are, even though in China, of course, there are systems of, of the subtle energies of the body, the electromagnetic forces that have really worked out through acupuncture and everything. There are their own systems, but I think those continents are really keen to have the latest intelligence. And if you're thinking about South Korea and the way that we know that young people, how hard they are driven to work by their teachers, by their parents, I'm actually secretly hoping um, that, that this is a lifeline, that if they can breathe their way through this, and forgive themselves and feel grateful for what they've got, that it'll actually ease this enormous pressure. But I think it's causing quite a lot of mental health issues in, um, in those young people. Right. And so not to mention the pandemic that's going on right yes. now, which is making us feel worn down as well. Now, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. I'm going to start with you, Pat. Who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? This is probably unexpected, but it's my mother. Uh-huh. It's my mother because uh, she never raised her voice. She was completely at peace and contained. And she raised us to be the same. We had family powwows where we all sat in a circle and had open discussion. So there was a great awareness, a peacefulness, and a calmness. So to me, she has been the greatest mindfulness inspiration and example for me. Beautiful. Claire, tell us how mindfulness has affected your emotions. Well, for me, mindfulness kind of is, is an emotional state. And so it is, it is the emotions of calm and peace, non-reactivity, resourcefulness. And um, I, I grew up with my mum. My we have a disabled sister, so there was a lot of worry in the household. And I think by watching her get really worried, I began to unpick what was going on even at that very early stage and then come to a place of, well, know that I needed to seek mindfulness because I could see what the other was doing. Patricia, I want to ask you about confidence. We've talked about it so much, and I want to ask specifically about breathing. Is there some breathing advice you could give us in less than 30 seconds? Start paced breathing now. Aim for a minimum There's research in the book that talks about a group of bankers who had 62% improvement in cognitive function, 42% decrease in stress after 40 minutes of paced breathing a day, 20 in the morning, 20 in the evening. If that's too much for you in one go, do what you can. I top and tail my day with it and then build it in before a Zoom call while you're making a, a pot of coffee or tea. 
Start stacking those pace breathing segments all the way through your day and you will not regret it. Huge, huge boost to your confidence. Great advice. Claire, is there a book you recommend that can help with mindfulness other than physical intelligence? Herbert Benson, The Relaxation Response. And 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 that is, I mean, that is for me, that is the the source of you know the beginning of Western mindfulness meditation. Excellent. Excellent. I'll put that in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. Pat, is there an app which helps with mindfulness for you? Uh, I, th- I like both Calm and Headspace and uh, 10% Happier. Those are three that are a great start. And uh, we will soon have an online version of physical intelligence that we would also encourage people to take advantage of. And in the meantime, they can join our physical intelligence community by going to companiesinmotion.com. It's not all mindfulness, but it's all physical intelligence, new tips, new research every week, every Monday. Companiesinmotion.com. That's your website. So yes, I'm so glad you mentioned that. So Claire, as we conclude the interview, I just want to ask you if there's a final word of advice you have for our listeners when it comes to physical intelligence and how we can improve our lives, be happier, be more content. Do you have a final word for us? Our bodies are amazing pieces of technology. And yet we spend most of our time walking around expecting them to do our bidding. I think every day, if you're someone that runs or walks or breathes or wakes up in the morning, really appreciate this incredible technology, trillions of operations every second, and your body wants you to be healthy, happy, and vital. So give it its credit. Lots of gratitude for the body. Thank you for that. And with that, I just want to Thank you both so much for the interview and for coming on Mindfulness Mode and all the best with the success of your book. Thank you so much, Bruce. Our absolute pleasure to be here with you. You're yeah, welcome. thanks, Bruce. It's been, it's been great. Great questions. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening, for subscribing and for reviewing the show and for telling your friends about Mindfulness Mode. Thanks also to Erica Flint's Cascade Hypnosis Center for being our valued sponsor. Erica is a terrific teacher of hypnosis, and I know that because I am a graduate of her program. Now, if you're a healer, a coach, a therapist, a counselor, or just someone who loves helping people, you might want to consider the powerful results that can be achieved with hypnosis. You can learn how to do it. Contact the team over at CascadeHypnosisCenter.com and take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.